0: Again, I'd like to say good morning to you. <clears throat> it's good to see you here, and I'd like to o- invite you to open up your Bibles to page 808, if you're using a pew Bible, to Matthew's Gospel in the second chapter. And I'm going to be reading from verses 13 down to verse 18. Last week, we looked at the, uh, the visit of the wise men and uh, how they came to Herod How Herod told them, go find the child, Jesus, whose star you saw, the king of the Jews. He didn't know it was Jesus, of course. Go find the child who's born king of the Jews and come back and tell me. Herod wanted, obviously, to kill him. And uh, the Lord warned the wise men in a dream, an angel, warned them to go back to their homeland a different way and not to report back to Herod after seeing Jesus. And now we pick it up in verse 13. Now, when they had departed, that's the Magi, the wise men, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and the mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. And then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. And then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, I ask you now that you would make the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, amen. Amen. There are a number of different ways uh, that I could approach this passage, just fascinating simply to approach the passage historically, to think about why the Lord would have directed Joseph and Mary and Jesus into Egypt, um, the nature of Herod and his tyrannies. Um, There are so many things I could talk about this morning in the context of this sermon, but I have to tell you that on Friday, as I was uh, thinking and praying about the message, what the Lord really did put on my heart was that um, this year has been, a, has been and continues to be a tremendous time of uh, testing for a number of people in our church, uh, a great deal of suffering. Uh, there's been a good deal of loss. And even now, many of you, as you sit here in your worship today, are experiencing fearful uncertainties uh, in your life. And so, as uh, this sort of came to me, it just, um, as I was thinking about this on Friday, suddenly I began to write this message. And uh, it's actually quite different from the message that I intended, or at least the message that would have been prescribed off the commentaries. But I'm going to do it anyway. So I've read to you, the, uh, I've read to you our text from Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. Now, I'm going to read you another text, which is not from the Bible, It's from the Heidelberg Catechism. It's question one. You've heard it many times, but I'm going to read this to you because I could think of no better commentary on this morning's text for our congregation now at this period in our life, in your lives, than this. This is the question. What is your only comfort in life and in death? And the answer is that I, with body and soul, both in life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood is fully satisfied for all my sins, and redeemed me from all the power of the devil, and, and this is the part of the answer to the catechism that I think is so fulfilled in our text, and so preserves me that without the will of my Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head. Yes, indeed, that all things must work together for my salvation. And wherefore, his Holy Spirit, by his Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life. He assures me of this, and he makes me sincerely willing and ready from now on to live unto him. And I'd like to just ask you this morning as we begin, if you wouldn't mind uh, repeating with me this as your confession of faith. God so, me God so preserves me that without the will of my Father in heaven, without the will of my Father in heaven, not a, hair can fall from my head. not a hair can fall from my head. Now say that last part with me again. Not a hair can fall from my head. You know, this is exactly what Jesus was experiencing in our verses. Herod wanted... Jesus destroyed, and God simply would not allow it. His time had not yet come. Last week, we saw that he redirected the Magi through a dream to avoid Herod after they found Jesus in order to keep Jesus' identity hidden from Herod. This week, an angel directs Joseph by a dream to get up and immediately. I mean, in the middle of the night. I mean, right then to flee with Jesus and his mother to Egypt to avoid Herod's rage after realizing he had been tricked by the Magi, and when he sends troops to murder all the young male children in Bethlehem, Jesus then is simply not among them. And we'll see next week that after Herod dies, an angel will tell Joseph in a dream to return from Egypt to Israel, but then warn him in another dream that instead of settling in Judea, where Herod's Murderous son reigns and might remember this story about one born king of the Jews, this rival who still lives. Instead of settling back into Judea, that angel warns Joseph to settle in obscurity in Galilee where he can raise his son in safety. And while all of these events, all of these, all this angelic activity, After All all these things have to do with Jesus. Jesus himself was a baby. Jesus himself was a toddler. And he was completely unaware, I'm sure, that any of those things was happening. Now it raises the question for me this morning that I'd like to pose to you, which is do you believe that God loves you just as faithfully and that God guards you, body and soul, just as well as he did Jesus? Whether you're aware of it, Or whether you're not. Do you believe that is true of you? Do you believe that that is true of your loved ones? The Heidelberg Catechism answer is a paraphrase of Jesus' own words, something Jesus taught. In Matthew 10, verses 29 to 31, he was teaching to reassure his disciples that they had nothing to fear, even though they would encounter great enemies who would seek to destroy them. And he said this to them, he said, Are not two sparrows sold for a single penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You're of more value than many sparrows. And then again in Luke 21, verse 17, as Jesus was drawing very near the time of his own crucifixion, he was talking about the future. After he had been crucified, after he would rise from the dead, when the apostles would be on their own in the last days before Christ would return, he taught about what violent and tumultuous days those would be. But then he reiterated to them, And to us, the same message. When he wrote, you will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all on account of my name. But not a hair of your head will perish. Isn't that an interesting statement? Immediately after saying you will be delivered up, Some of you they will put to death. You will be hated. Immediately after that, he says, but not a hair on your head will perish. Jesus personally experienced this. He experienced God's love to him. He experienced God's faithfulness to him in in this way. I mean, he was God's son. He is God's son. God was his father. God was loving him as a father loves a son, And so God's angels watched over him. They're always watching over him. When danger came, they intervened, they warned, they guided, they ministered comfort. They were always standing by. In Jesus' infancy, as we've been reading, at the end of his temptation in the wilderness, in the agony of Gethsemane, in addition to all those occasions that are not recorded, I'm sure, in the Gospels. You remember when Jesus was arrested and was being led away to what he knew would be his crucifixion. And Peter was not just protesting. He was trying to, draw drew a sword. He'd cut off the ear of the servant of the priest. And Jesus rebukes him. He says to Peter, do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions, 12,000 angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? That's a very profound statement, isn't it? Jesus was utterly persuaded that only if it was to fulfill God's word, only if it was God's will, his holy purpose, could he, Jesus, suffer harm. The legions of angels were being held back When that happened. And how many times when you think about Jesus in his ministry, when he grew up. How many times do we read of Jesus enemies attempting to find him, to arrest him, to kill him, even at one point to throw him off a cliff. And their inability to do that. And the answer is as to why is because his hour had not yet come that would not have fulfilled God's will and purpose. That was not God's word. Well, I want you to think with me about this today. The same thing is true of Christ's followers. The same thing is true of you. In Acts 12, an angel struck Peter in the side to wake him up when he was in prison. The angel made his chains fall off and then walked him past the prison guards and through a prison gate, which miraculously opened and then disappeared. And he did all that for Peter. Though the apostle James had just been martyred. And Peter also would have otherwise been killed. But it was not Peter's time. You think about how the Lord guarded Paul and and, and how many times he rescued Paul when he was stoned and left for dead, dragged out of the city. Everyone assumed he was dead and then he got up and continued as if nothing had happened when he was shipwrecked, when he was bitten by a deadly snake, when he was subjected to the conspiracies of the Jews. How many times? And of course, Paul was martyred eventually. Peter was martyred eventually. Jesus was crucified eventually. But apart from the will of the Father, not a hair on their head could fall. He watched over them, even if they were completely unaware of what they faced, and he preserved them. And at the end of the world, Jesus teaches this at the, at the very end, when the whole world is just dissembling under judgment, at the just melting, falling apart, blowing up, stars falling from heaven. This is what Jesus promises. He says, he of himself, the son of man, he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. When the whole creation is crumbling apart, not a hair from your head will be harmed. It's pretty remarkable, isn't it? That's the promise that God makes. So we see, we see from Jesus' life, we, see, we hear in his teaching, uh, we see his faithfulness to his apostles in the New Testament, and we, and we draw this conclusion, not a hair will fall from your head. Not one, apart from God's will. Not one. He loves you so well. He loves you so faithfully. And yet we say, but, but. But, but I wasn't sent into the world. I wasn't sent into the world. I wasn't conceived in the womb of a virgin. I am, I am not God's only begotten son. I mean, think with me for a minute. Can you imagine what the world would be like if Jesus had never been born and lived as he lived and died as he died and rose as he rose? I can't imagine what the world would be like Decades ago, John Lennon wrote a song about, imagine if there was no religion, if that includes Christ. I can't imagine, I cannot imagine how horrible history would be without Christ. And at the same time, you know, we think that what a remarkable world changer Jesus obviously is. How hard it is to imagine that what the world would be like without him. At the same time, it's not hard, at least for me to imagine, what the world would be like if I'd never been born. Maybe you feel the same way. And yet, whether our perspective on ourselves is accurate or not, this is the assurance that Jesus gives to you. It is true. That God loves you as he loves his only begotten son. He teaches us to call God our father. And to be as confident that God is relating to us and treating us as a loving father. As Jesus himself was confident in God. And Jesus teaches us to do this. Because of himself. Because of who he is. This is grounded in Christ. Well, there's a paradox about Jesus, and it's good to think about this and understand. There is a bit of a paradox about Jesus. It's a wonderful paradox. I think it's the key. On the one hand, Jesus was God's son, and he was delivered. I mean, again and again, Jesus is rescued. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil, he was teaching them to pray just like he prayed to his father in heaven. To seek from God what he himself seeks from God. For us to seek from God exactly what he seeks from God. And yet, on the other hand, Jesus is not only as God's son, the one he delivers, he's not only the delivered, he's also our deliverer. And that is the paradox. He's not only the one who's delivered, but he's the deliverer. God delivered him up, delivered him again and again, except, except to fulfill prophecy, except to fulfill the word of God. But where he fulfilled the word of God, that was in order to deliver us. God delivered him again and again and again, except where he fulfilled the word of God. Jesus was not delivered from the cross in order that he deliver us. That he deliver us from the guilt and from the justice that we do deserve. To break the power of sin that fueled our rebellion against God. There is a power of evil. There's a power of sin that, that fuels human rebellion. In order to draw us to God. In order to reconcile you to God. In order to convert us, to change us from living as strangers and enemies of God into being his children. So he regards us, and he treats us as sons, and we regard him, and we treat him as our father. It all depends on Christ. And that's why with such confidence Christ could teach this. He was teaching exactly what the father had told him would be true. Based on the mission the father had sent him to accomplish. And the father and the son never questioned the will of God. He never questioned whether God meant what he said. And neither should we. And this is why Jesus teaches you. You can fully rely on God to experience that same love, that same guardianship as he knew with the Father. He knew. Jesus knew what Jesus was going to do. Now, I'm going to segue and underscore this With you this morning in a particular way from our passage. I want you to think about God's relationship to Israel, Israel in the Old Testament. Did he not call Israel his son? He told Moses to tell Pharaoh. In Exodus 4, verse 22, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, to Pharaoh, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And so Hosea, referring to the Exodus, would write, That when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Matthew quotes that prophecy in, or that scripture in our verse 15 of our text this morning. Out of Israel, out of Egypt rather, I call my son is not a prediction of the future. It's a recollection of the past, what God did with Israel in the past. So why would Matthew then apply this to Jesus? Out of Egypt I call my son because Jesus is God's true son. Because Jesus is is the son par excellence. Jesus is his only begotten son. Jesus is actually the true Israel through whom God's promises to Israel, all of them are fulfilled. And so all that went before, all that could be described as God's faithfulness to Israel also applies to the son. Multiplied is actually not just applied to the Son, but really fulfilled in the Son. Because He is the true Son of God. The true Son of God. The true Israel. The promised seed. God delivers His Son. Period. That's what God does. And it's His sovereign grace. It's His electing love. God delivers His Son. When he says to you, you are my son, or you are my daughter, you are my child, you have to just equate that with, I deliver you. I am your father. And yet at the same time, Matthew also writes in a way that can't help but recall for us Israel's first deliverer. Not only God's deliverance of Israel, but also our text recalls Israel's first deliverer, Moses. In his infancy, he was hidden in order to be spared death. that was coming to so many other infant boys. You remember they were all being killed when they were being born? Only in Matthew. Now Herod, Assumes the role of Pharaoh. Israel, tragically, is assuming the role of Egypt. And Jesus is in the role of, of, uh, of Moses. The illusion, the illusion, not illusion, the illusion, the echo of Moses is so clear in Matthew chapter 2 and will be echoed throughout the book of Matthew. I draw your attention to the Old Testament, Matthew's use of the Old Testament because it underscores that Jesus as the delivered and as the deliverer perfectly fulfills the scriptures. He is the true Israel because he is the promised seed. He enjoys God's protective and fatherly love as God's only begotten son in order to bring eternal salvation us in a new covenant to be the new Israel from all the nations. God looks at us, Christ's church, he looks at us as his son, his adopted children in Christ. He does not look at us apart from his only begotten son. He sees us in his son, the only way he would regard us or treat us as as a father treats a son. So you see the, the cycle. God now fulfilling his word in your life. He's fulfilling his word in your life. The new Israel. As he fulfilled his word in Jesus' life, as he fulfilled his word in Israel's life. This morning, as we grieve the death of our daughter, our wife, our sister, our friend, Elizabeth Robinson Hartnett. We grieve others who've passed this year. There are a number of people who've passed. And I wanted to say that it's wonderful to see Heido this morning. I believe the first service I did in 2018 was for your dear husband, Paul. A number of you this morning are fleeing for protection and deliverance, against illness, against poverty, against trauma within your families, against fears you fear even to share with others. And so this morning as we close in this message, I'm going to ask you three questions. And I want you to answer them when I ask each one. I'll begin with a statement and then the question. Christ knows all about grief and sorrow. He knows all about threat and harm and fleeing. Christ knows what it is to be a refugee. He knows about death. Do you know that this is true of Christ? Do you know? That is a very weak answer. (laughs) Really. Do you know this is true of Christ? Yes. Yes. He also knows how faithful and true God's love is. How right it is to rely on him and love him as a father. He knows how God sends his angels in dreams, performs all his word, and delivered even his deliverer from death. Do you know that this is the truth about Christ? Do you know that? Yes. And he knows. He knows all these things as your faithful Savior, who with his precious blood has fully satisfied for all of our sins, redeemed us from all the power of evil, and so preserves you that without the will of your Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from your head. Do you know this is the truth about Christ? Then do you know that this is the truth about yourself? Amen. Father, we love you and we thank you for this portion of your word. We thank you for your son who's so dear to us. And even now we seek to sing his praise and celebrate with thanksgiving his death in our behalf, his drawing us to you and reconciling us to you so that we know not a hair can fall from our heads apart from your good and perfect will. And in the day of Christ, it will all be so plain. Or it just won't matter anymore what our questions were. Thank you so much. Amen.